0: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm trying to get you to retirement. I'm trying to get you to accumulate enough assets that it's an attractive retirement. It's my goal. Um, some of you can make it. Some of you aren't. If you're in your 20s, you have no excuse. If you're in your 50s and 60s and just starting... It may not realistically happen for you. And then you come up with a plan B. Plan B is work as long as you can and draw down as little assets or emergency re- reserves as possible. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. Briefing.com is an independent live market analysis of the U.S. International markets, uh, really good financial commentary and insights. All right, Mr. O'Hare?
2: Hey, Rob. Good. Thank you. It's good to be back with you.
1: Yeah, it's – uh. Kind of boring, though, isn't it? It's or I don't want to put those words in your mouth. It's just like you're opening um, page one analysis today. Like we fell less than a point on the SP 500 right. yesterday. We're going now, nowhere you,
2: fast. You can put those words in my mouth. <laughs> That's pretty much uh, you know for those of us who do sit here and, and watch uh, you know the market you know second by second, minute by minute, every day. Um, you know, there hasn't been a lot to say in terms of the the overall uh, market action itself, uh, and you're seeing that, um, I don't know, apathy, if you will, reflected in, in these low-volume totals. But nonetheless, you are still seeing the prevalence of a bullish bias shine through because you have a market that continues to just keep inching higher and higher to, to, to new highs. And so there's not a... Uh, a real strong sense of risk aversion right now, even though uh, the market does look to be a little bit more uh, cognizant that uh, the upside reward here may not be as great as the downside risk should things, um, you know, not go the market's way.
1: One of the things that people ask me about are their 401ks and the popularity of target dated funds. Um, As a market analyst, give me a little commentary on target-dated funds, good idea, bad idea for people to accumulate
2: wealth with. Well, it's kind of, I think, more of a a passive idea. Um, You know, I saw an article this morning uh, indicating that there's been, you know, strong growth in the asset gathering for those uh, target-date funds. and. And it's a type of an approach uh, that um, you kind of, you you know, you embrace and you you forget about it. I think that's the nature of things. They're saying, hey, look, if you know you've got 40 years to retirement, here's your, you know, equity fixed income allocation, whether it's, say, 80-20, and we'll – keep adjusting this as you get closer to that retirement age. And I think it's probably indicative, I think the growth in those assets of those types of funds is indicative of of the shift in the investor mindset these days um, where uh, they're perhaps tuning into the idea that uh, actively, you know, managed funds uh, don't necessarily always outperform the market. In fact, I think, you know, the, the majority of them don't. So you're seeing more kind of a index-based approach, uh, or an approach to uh, that that emphasizes, you know, funds that have lower fees, and uh, this idea that you don't have to think much about your money. Uh, And, uh, you know, I can't say, I think the target date funds are, are, you know, relatively new to the industry, so uh, I'm not sure really, you know, in terms of their their much longer-term track record, but they do seem to be gaining in popularity here as they take some of the guesswork out of the equation.
1: Do you think there's a problem with the funds having too many assets, or does that not cross your screen of concerns?
2: Well, it doesn't cross uh, my screen necessarily because I focus primarily, uh, you know, on the stock market, most more in, you know, individual stocks and stock sectors as opposed to you know mutual funds. But um, you know, it, just in general, though, I mean, diversification has has proven itself uh, certainly over the years is, uh, uh, or throughout time really that you know it's it is the way to go in terms of you know portfolio management. One area doesn't do well and another area does, and you mitigate some of that. That risk that's in, entailed with just having a very concentrated portfolio.
1: Okay, um, what else are you looking at right now as far as being a market analyst? Um, you worried about Europe at all, or is that kind of going along just
2: like we are? Yeah, you know, it's it's a strange thing. I mean, the um, and uh, you know, notwithstanding Mario Draghi's uh, declaration that you know uh, they, that they're going to fight, uh, keep fighting this. Deflationary disinflation trend and that they've taken the interest rate on, uh, you know, deposits to, to a negative rate. The euro has actually held up reasonably well. Um, and that's a little surprising there that you haven't seen more, uh, weakening in the euro on the back of what, you know, the ECB's very dovish policy efforts. And, um, and so, you know, the eurozone certainly is not, um, out of trouble. Um, it, it, it's struggling to, you know, accelerate growth there. But I think from the market's perspective, uh, the Eurozone's in a spot now where, you know, maybe the U.S. was a few years ago, where the ECB's now really, you know, getting on board with as as aggressive of monetary policy as it can. And and um, I think we're seeing, you know, investors not fight that that central bank you know policy trend, uh, so eurozone indices continue to hold up very well despite some otherwise lackluster economic growth. Um, so it's still something to you know to to be concerned about. I think from a real economic standpoint, and you'd have to worry that you know valuations are going to get stretched over there as as you know investors just simply uh, you know play this trend of you know not fighting you know. The, the, the central banks and, and what their policy is. And that's kind of what we're getting here in the U.S. certainly is that they're just not fighting the Fed. Um, the Fed, you know, last week pretty much said, go buy stocks. And uh, and that's why the market continues to hold up because it realizes that Janet Yellen, you know, all but said that Fed put is still very much intact here. Uh, and we want you to continue to move into risk assets because we really want this wealth effect to kick in.
1: This morning, you did a small shout out to Vertex Pharmaceuticals, who's announcing some pretty good results on phase three trials on cystic fibrosis. Is there a way for you to play those kind of stocks, Patrick? Because I can't, I'm just not smart enough to play the biotech stocks. I need people like you or or your
2: staff (laughs) to help me. Right. Well, you know, our our traders here certainly would have have a better line on on participating in those types of names. And and I think, you know, a name like Vertex, when you you see like a a binary event like this, so the stock, you know, goes up 50% in pre market on a very positive phase three, you know, trial. Um, It could have easily gone down 50% if that endpoint had not been met. And, you know, stocks like that, it really does boil down to what you know in individuals risk tolerance is uh and also their perspective on how they want to try and capitalize uh on such an announcement you know whether they do it through the options market you know by buying the individual stock by selling it short I you know it, it all depends uh personally um I don't uh, you know say venture to say that I really understand <laughs> the dynamics of the, of a lot of the biotech trading and so it's just not within my risk tolerances. And so I personally don't uh, participate in that space. But obviously, uh, if you know what you're doing uh, and you've positioned yourself accordingly, um, you can do very, very, very well. And uh, uh, and so a lot of investors in Vertex are doing quite well today and are quite happy with that, uh, that trial.
1: One of the stories I did earlier today was on Carnival Cruise Lines. And I talked about how 20 years ago, I saw that as a trend of baby boomers and they're going to retire, and they're going to want to go on cruises. They won't have the bone structure to actively vacation like they used to. And that story never played out. You look at the stock of Carnival Cruise Lines, and it's done nothing for 15 years. Um, do you play into stories and trends like that, story stocks and, you know, demographic trends?
2: Yeah, well, and it, but it also, also comes boils down to, you know, the, the fundamentals uh, underlying the stock and the company, right? I mean, the, the, the concept and the idea, the argument, it's all – Legitimate. Um, I think you know you do have this uh, aging, you know, this demographic uh, shift taking place that certainly bodes well for those types of uh, industries. Uh, you know you can extend that into the healthcare sector as well, probably into some of the financial services uh, as you know aging um, individuals might need more help with you know financial advice. Um, so there is a, a story to be told and it's a legitimate one, but. To the extent that you know stocks you know run up on this concept they can get you know ahead of themselves so you could have a case of you know very good companies operating within uh, good growing industries but whose stock prices are not going to respond because they've either you know priced in a lot of that you know good conceptual news and have gotten ahead of themselves or you know they may have had an operational disappointment you know along the way and then you could also, in turn, have an industry that's trying to capitalize on that and, you know, overbuild, if you will. Uh, so that I know Carnival has said as well that they've seen some pricing issues because of the excess capacity in the Caribbean. You know, as more competitors come in there to try to capture that uh, that share of the market. So there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that could lead to a stock that doesn't do as well as what the industry itself might be presenting, uh, you know, in just general press releases. Mm-hmm.
1: Anything else that you're working on right now, Mr. O'Hare, that we need to be aware of?
2: Well, I think the one uh, very important thing to watch uh, later in the week is going to be this uh, personal income and spending report, but per- which is out on Thursday. But particularly the PCE component in there—that is the—that is the inflation gauge that the Federal Reserve looks at. And uh, we heard Janet Yellen, of course, say that the CPI data is noisy. But to any extent that the you know year-over-year increase in the PCE inflation gauge pushes up toward two percent, you know, you're going to see the market probably continue to be a little bit agitated by the idea that the Fed risks being. Behind the curve and fighting inflation. So it's a a number to keep a close eye on. Thanks
1: very much. That's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. You can find him at Briefing.com. You can follow them on Twitter, hashtag or at Briefing.com. Briefing.com. You can find them online at Briefing.com. It's Briefing.com. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back.
0: 1220 KDOW traffic.